warning, the following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey there spooksters, welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Jessica and you might notice that Tara is not on this episode. She is off having a great weekend with Bug for her birthday. So I told her, go, have a great time. I'll hold down the fort. She's done it for me, so I can definitely do it for her. Today, I'm going to be talking about 10 gruesome murder cases you probably never heard of. But before we get into that, if you want to hang out with us on social media, you can do so by heading over to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at 3 Girls. We also have a Facebook group that is very active. You can discuss this episode, previous episodes. You can also upload memes. You can Basically, we've created a little safe space for our spooksters to come and just hang out with one another and kind of just be our own little brand of weirdos that we love. So come be weirdos with us because that's really what <laughs> that's really what the internet is about, right? We also have a spookster shop and a merch store. Those are in the link tree below. Tara does tarot readings. I do blind date with a book. There's a bunch of things. Go check it out. Also, she does limited run on her stuff in her store. So if you are interested in getting crystals or anything like that from Tara, definitely go and join that group because those go very fast. If you want to help support the show, you can for as little as a dollar. You get a bonus episode each month. Last month, we did a really fun thing where we talked about all the upcoming TV shows and things like that that we're looking forward for the summer. It was a really fun episode. In fact, I started watching one of the shows and I'm super hooked into it. I'm getting nothing done because all I want to do is watch the show, (laughs) which happens. But if you go to patreon.com backslash three spooked girls, you can literally get a bonus episode each month for just an extra dollar. Also $5 and up get ad free episodes and those typically launch the day before. So if you're wanting your content sooner, definitely check that out. If you're on TikTok, you should definitely follow Tara. Her handle is spooky underscore sleuth. She handles cases like these. She also does paranormal stuff. She also does really fun things over there. So definitely check it out. Also, if you're into reading, I have a new book series I'm writing. It's with Amazon Bella. So you can definitely check that out as well. It's called Untamed Wild. It is a Western romance. Once that kind of gets off the ground and running for a while, I think I'm going to write a true crime one. So. I'll keep y'all posted on that. But we're going to go ahead and dive straight into this episode. Like I said, it's titled 10 Gruesome Murder Cases You Probably Never Heard Of. So the first case is the Pappin sisters, who murdered their bosses in cold blood. French sisters Leah and Christine Pappin worked as live-in servants for the Lancelin family in France in 1926. 
although it was reported that they acted quite odd, never talking to anyone but themselves and showing very little interest in anything besides each other, which is according to historical mysteries. They did their work quietly and lived with the family for almost seven years. One night in February of 1933, Mr. Lancelin, who had been waiting for his wife at a friend's house, came home to find her and their daughter dead on the floor in a pool of blood. Their eyes had been gouged out and their faces smashed in. The Pappin sisters were locked in their room, and after getting a locksmith to open the door, the police said that they found the sisters lying in bed together with a hammer nearby, with a bloody hammer nearby, according to the Vintage News. The Pappin sisters immediately confessed to their crimes. While in prison, Christine became very distressed from being away from her sister and was eventually granted permission to see Leah. Reports said that the sisters seemed to be unnaturally close to one another, with some suggesting a sexual relationship, although doctors who examined the Pappin sisters denied evidence of that. A few months later, Christine suffered a mental breakdown and tried to gouge out her own eyes. After the murder trial, Christine was sentenced to life in prison for being the mastermind behind the murders, while Leah was eventually released from prison in 1943 and managed to get a job at a French hotel under a new identity. It was believed that she died in 1982, but that was never confirmed. Wow, that's crazy. That's a lot. Okay, our next one is the acid bath murderer, John George Hay. John George Hay was a British serial killer, active in the late 1940s. He used to dispose of the bodies of his victims by burning them in sulfuric acid, according to Forensic Magazine. Hay was convinced that he was getting away with murder, literally, because he mistakenly thought without a body, there was no crime. His arrogance was what ultimately got him caught when he led police to the remains of his sixth and final victim, 69-year-old Olive Durand Deacon. While on trial, Hay pled insanity and insisted to the court that he drank the blood of his victims. He was found guilty in 1949 and was hanged a few months later. Okay, our next one is Robert Berdelia, the Butcher of Kansas. In the late 1980s, Robert Berdelia tortured and killed six men, chopped their bodies into small pieces, and stuffed their remains into dog food bags, according to the New York Daily News. He also kept detailed notes on each victim, which later helped investigators prove their murders. Robert almost got away with it all. Had it not been for his seventh would-be victim, 22-year-old Christopher Bryson, who managed to escape from the second floor of Robert's home, he may have never been caught. Robert was eventually charged with sexual assault, but after the police obtained a search warrant, they found human remains in other wallets of other victims. He was sentenced to life imprisonment and died of a heart attack in jail in 1992. That's crazy. Okay, Dennis Nielsen, who murdered young men and kept their bodies. Ooh, it's like a Dahmer. Dennis Nielsen terrorized London in the late 1970s and early 1980s, killing 15 men over a five-year period. Nielsen would pick up young men at bars and take them home. There, he would strangle or drown them. Once dead, he'd bathe and dress the bodies according to the International Business Times. He admitted to the police that he kept their bodies for extended periods of times before disposing of them so that he could have sex with them and talk with them. Okay. Our next one is Herb Bomister, a serial killer who slashed bodies in his backyard stashed bodies in his backyard. That makes more sense. I was like, why did he slash them? 
In the late 1980s and 1990s, Herbert Baumeister, who would lure gay men back to his pool house, then strangle them and dump their bodies in the woods behind his home, according to People magazine. Herb had a pool house decorated with mannequins that were set up to seem like they were having a pool party. My God. Herb's young son, Eric, even stumbled upon the remains of one victim while he was playing in the backyard. Once Herb realized that the police were onto him, he fled to Ontario, Canada, and shot himself in the head in Pinery Provincial Park. In his suicide note, he blamed his failing marriage and business as the reason for his suicide and never confessed to any of the murders. Police estimated that he killed somewhere between 10 and 20 people. Our next one is Gertrude Benzikowski, the torture mother. In 1965, police found the immense... Oh, yeah, we, we know this one. This is the one... Oh. In 1965, police found the body of 16-year-old Indianapolis resident Sylvia Likens. She was covered in cigarette burns and sprawled out on a filthy mattress in the home of 37-year-old Gertrude, according to the Indianapolis Monthly. Sylvia and her sister Jenny boarded with Gertrude because their parents were carnival workers who traveled a lot. The girl's father paid Gertrude $20 a week in exchange for housing of his daughters. If the money arrived late, then Gertrude would take out her anger on the girls. Eventually, she forced her beatings on Sylvia alone, but this wasn't the crime of an adult beating a child. Gertrude was a mother of seven, all of whom who lived in the house and partook in the violent, sadistic attacks on Sylvia. Neighborhood kids, some as young as 10, were invited to join or watch. No one reported anything. In October of 1965, Sylvia was beaten to death. Gertrude apparently forced a neighbor to call the police and tell them Sylvia ran away. When the police arrived at the home, Jenny, Sylvia's younger sister, apparently whispered to one of the officers, get me out of here and I'll tell you everything. Gertrude got 20 years in prison and was then released. She moved to Iowa and changed her name and died of lung cancer in 1990. The others, who were mainly children, all got away with short sentences. Ooh, the, the next one we've also done. It is Catherine Knight, who tried to feed her husband to his children. Catherine Knight, an Australian woman, stabbed her husband, John Price, to death 37 times in 2000. Knight then skinned him, decapitated his head, and cooked up parts of his body. She set her dining room table for two and served meat with baked potatoes and a side of vegetables. She placed handwritten notes next to each of the table settings with the name of Price's children on them. She was attempting to serve them, their father, for dinner. When police arrived at the house, they found Knight in comatose state with pills spilled out on the floor. They also find Price's head boiling in a pot of soup on the stove. Oh, I forgot that fact. Knight was the first woman to be sentenced to life imprisonment without parole. She is currently serving a sentence in Stillwater Correctional Complex in New South Wales, Australia. Our next one is Jerry Brudos, the shoe fetish slayer. In January of 1968, women in Poland were terrorized by Jerry Brudos, a man who allegedly had a foot fetish and four vanished completely, according to the New York Daily News. About a year later, a fisherman found the remains of a 22-year-old woman, Lydia Saley, who had disappeared the year before. Police ended up finding four more bodies and eventually tracked them all back to Jerry. 
He confessed to the murders in gory detail to the police. After keeping the bodies of his first victim for several months in order to dress her up, he eventually dumped the victim in the river, but not before sawing off a foot to use for trying on heels and taking photos of them. It would be so gross. In another horrific find, detective discovered that he had kept souvenirs of his crimes, including shoes, bras, even a paperweight he made out of human breast. The next one you all know, Dennis Rader, the BTK killer. Known as the BTK killer, Dennis Rader used to break into his victims' homes in and around Sedgwick County, Kansas, and stalk them before making his move. He would then bind, torture, and kill them, which is what he got his nickname from, according to the Wichita Eagle. He killed 10 people between 1974 and 1991, but wasn't arrested until 2005. Once apprehended, police searched Raider's home and found photos of Raider with his victims. Raider was charged with 10 counts of first-degree murder and is now serving 10 consecutive life sentences at El Dorado Correctional Facility in Kansas. Okay, the next one is our last one, and from the title, it makes me a little nervous. Issei Sagawa, the Japanese cannibal who still walks free. The famous Japanese cannibal is notorious in his country. He grew up in a wealthy family, but always had the urge for human flesh. At 23, Sagawa was arrested for attempted rape, according to Culture Crossfire. He entered the apartment of a tall German woman living in Tokyo and attacked her. Police didn't realize he actually was attempting to eat her, even though he bit off a piece of her flesh. Sagawa was five foot tall and later told Vice he was obsessed with taller Western women. At 32, oh my God, that's nine years later, that's crazy. At 32, Sagawa went to study literature in France and even receiving his PhD. It was there that he befriended a classmate, a 25-year-old Dutch woman named Renee Hartvelt. The friendship provided deadly for Renee as one night in 1981, Sagawa invited her over under the ruse of working on a poetry assignment and he ended up shooting her in the neck and eating various parts of her body over a two-day span. He attempted to dump the remainder of her body in a lake nearby but was caught in the act. He was held in police custody for two years before being deemed legally insane and deported back to Japan. Once in Japan, he was declared sane by psychologists and signed himself out of the mental institution where he was being held. He currently lives a free man in Japan. I don't even know. I don't even know how to like even remotely handle that story. I don't know what the fuck. I am so sorry. That is that is a little traumatizing. Just out there walking around. Yeah. Well, that kind of concludes today's episode. Sorry it's a little shorter. It's just me. So there's no like banter back and forth between me and Tara. So yeah, we will be back on Thursday for another installment of Shiny Happy People. We're talking about the Duggars and then we got some great other things planned for the rest of the month. So we will see you back here then. Toodles, guys. Toodles, guys.